The following episode is uncensored and contains language and scenarios that some listeners may find disturbing or offensive. We don't intend to make a habit of this, but there are some topics that are darker than others and warrant an unfiltered discussion. We hope you understand, and with that being said, on with the episode. I'm Ren Young. And I'm Katrina Vargas. And And this this is That Other F Word. Hey, Mitchell. Yeah. Do you know what this month is the 100th anniversary of? Not my birth. Uh, It's only the 38th anniversary of my birth. Oh, yeah. We're not talking about that. That's not what this episode is. That's not what we're doing the episode on. We're We're not doing a birthday episode. And it, nope, and everything's not always about you. Funny enough. I would, we'll agree to disagree. (laughs) Okay. So, it's actually the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment. Oh, that's when they got rid of prohibition. (laughs) Nope. I love this is going to be, it's not. Not that one either. Anybody else know? I understand why you particularly would celebrate that. What's the 19th Amendment, Bryn? So the the 19th Amendment states that the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. That means we got to vote. That means ladies ladies got to vote. Well, Um, well, we'll we'll get into that. We'll get into that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, It's interesting because actually in some states, uh, in some places, women had already been voting because the yeah. states had deemed that it was legal to vote. And then there were a lot of women who still didn't get to vote for a long time after the 19th Amendment was passed. Yep. Um, before we get into why Tennessee was so pivotal in the passage of the 19th Amendment, um, I want to give just a little history of the women's suffrage movement. Um, okay. now this is coming from a girl, a lady, a woman who in high school declared that she was against women's suffrage. Because let's be honest, it sounds like suffering. <laughs> it doesn't sound great. Um, and then went on to become the president of the League of Women Voters. It is something, by the way, Ruby likes to do that. She likes to ask people if women's suffrage was good or not. And so it's pretty funny. It's cute. She's 12. And so, you know. It sounds learned. like rough times is what it sounds like. Right. Well, we had rough times getting there. That's for damn sure. Well, and it's worth mentioning, like, we don't learn about it so much in school. No. No. Um, actually, the, the locally here, before I even joined, um, provided curriculum to our local schools about it. But Which is very cool. Very cool. So, um, the, right, or the fight for women's suffrage actually began in 1848 with a convention in Seneca Falls, New York, Um, Now, of course, that wasn't like the first moment anybody thought that maybe it would be like a good thing, but that's when they kind of came together to start the movement. It was a big, it was a big thing. Yes. Um, For the next 72 years, uh, like women lobbied and protested and uh, picketed and I mean, they did all kinds of business. They marched to try to get this to happen. 72 years, a long time, by the way, to fight for something. So the U.S. House uh, finally approved the Susan B. Anthony Amendment uh, in May 21st, 1919, which is what would go on to become the 19th Amendment. Um, Two weeks later, the Senate approved it. 
But what you might not know is that for an amendment to become part of the Constitution, three-fourths of the states have to ratify it, state legislatures. So at that time, there were only 48 states, so they needed 36 states to pass it. Um, that's where <laughs> Tennessee comes in. So there were 35 states that had already passed it, and it came down to Tennessee. Um, so by a vote of 50 to 47, Tennessee became the last state needed to ratify. And Secretary of State Bainbridge Colby put out a proclamation declaring the 19th Amendment ratified and part of the U.S. Constitution on August 26, 1920. Uh, August 18th was the day that Tennessee voted. So any, any comments before we get into Tennessee's no. role? This is a great, I love this story though. So let's take it's, this picture. It's like, you can look at it in so many different ways too. Uh, like sure, it's really interesting. Sure. So Mitchell, are you actually listening? You're not playing, playing Animal Crossing or anything? No. Nope. He's playing, but he's not, he is listening. His earbuds are in. We're safe. What's that look for? He's showing oh, us earbuds. earbuds. Oh, let's see. They go with your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> that was the funniest comment I've ever heard. <laughs> These standard white AirPods. <laughs> this specific tank top. And if, of course, to Mitchell, of all things, who coordinates nothing. Right. Good Lord. Hysterical. I love it. Okay. So so the problem is this episode is basically one long Rins list. And, and so... Well, enter Tennessee into the fray. We are, we are just before women have the right to vote. We're waiting on one. We could commentate this thing like it was a sporting event. One vote remaining. Well, to and the, basically to break the tie. Okay. And so, I mean, Tennessee, like people like flooded to Tennessee activists on both sides um, because it was really like going into the vote. It was really close. Um, and so the guy who ended up casting, he changed his vote, um, was Harry Byrne, who was a 24-year-old Republican, actually from East Tennessee. Um, his own constituents were divided, so I think he kind of felt uncomfortable uh, casting his ballot one way or the other. By the way, just a little bit of history. East Tennessee's always been kind of a, a place divided, okay, yes. it's in, in a lot of... Uh, um, things in history. Okay. And so, um, we've always been a little bit, um, independent thinking. I'd like to think, right. East Tennessee has a, quite a divide and we did during the civil war and everybody assumes we are a Southern state. We weren't. Um, and so just throwing that out there, we're very divided. So in a good they, way. Yes. No, I think that's good. I think the push and pull makes us a Absolutely. better place. Absolutely. So, um, they actually, the first vote was to table, which would have been a huge bummer if you're a suffrage activist. Um, <laughs> and so it came to 48 and 48. So then they called a recount and it came to 48 to 48. And so they had to consider the original amendment and Harry Byrne. So Harry Byrne wanted to table it. Like he didn't want to vote one way or another. He yeah. wanted to just push it down the line. But what he did not want to do was to vote against suffrage. He didn't want to hurt the cause. He just kind of wanted to push it down the road. And the reason he didn't want to was because 
guys, he had a letter from his mom. <laughs> Feb burn. And so she wrote him this seven-page letter. Uh, but here's a little, little bit of what it said. Nip it. Dear son, hooray and vote for suffrage and don't keep them in doubt. I noticed Chandler's speech. It was very bitter. I've been waiting to see how you stood, but have not seen anything yet. Don't forget to be a good boy and help Mrs. Cat. That's referring to Carrie Chapman Cat, who was a huge leader in the suffrage movement and actually went on to found the League of Women Voters. Uh, <laughs> don't forget to be a good boy and help Mrs. Cat with her rats. Uh, is she the one that put rat in ratification? Ha. No more from mama this time with lots of love, mama. Um, so because of that, and what's, what's interesting to note is that the, the Congress, or the Congress people, whatever, the representatives uh, were wearing roses on their lapels to signify how they were gonna vote. People who were against suffrage had red roses, people who were pro-suffrage had yellow. And he took his red rose off and cast his vote for suffrage. Um, and unfortunately for him, had to spend, spend a big portion of the rest of the night hiding in the Capitol's attic because there were people who were trying to like take him out. There's actually like lore that he had to like stand outside like on the ledge of the Capitol building to hide. Um, he put out a statement. Um, Can you imagine trying to beat the brakes off some guy just because you're so <laughs> mad bitches get to vote? I mean, like well, can you imagine being the person, I mean, that, that, he, the two of lot. them, they changed the history of our country. She changed the history of her country with that letter. And, and him, he, perhaps he was Obama's boy, but he changed the history of his country with one vote. I don't care. A 25-year-old man. 24. Tw I mean, 24-year-old man made history that day and, and did take a risk. Yeah. I mean. He absolutely did. You know. I mean. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. He made a lot of enemies doing that. And just, God, can you imagine? But he's already imagine having that power in that moment to affect millions. And it, that was not his intention. No. <laughs> he did not want that power. No, <laughs> he did not want that power. He, I, I, but I think he did want to do he, the right he thing. He dreaded, he dreaded that power, I think, definitely. And I think, you know, mama, you listen to your mama when you're from the South. That's one thing. <laughs> it's true. And of course, after he did this, people came out and they, they started coming up with all kinds of reasons why he voted the way he did. So he put out his own statement. I want to state that I changed my vote in favor of ratification. First, because I believe in full suffrage as a right. Second, I believe we had a moral and legal right to ratify. Third, I knew that a mother's advice is always safest for a boy to follow. And my mother wanted me to vote for ratification. Fourth, I appreciated the fact that an opportunity such as seldom comes to a mortal man to free 17 million women from political slavery was mine. Fifth, I desired that my party in both state and nation might say that it was a republic, Republican from an East Mountains, from the East Mountains of Tennessee, the purest Anglo-Saxon section in the world, who made national woman suffrage possible at this date, not for personal glory, but for glory of this party. I'm down. All right, dude. I mean, we could have left out the Anglo-Saxon bit, but. <laughs> but, well, and that could, that's going to play into some conversations we have here in a second. But he was, you know, it was a white Republican 24-year-old dude 
the same kind of looks like the dude marching through Charlottesville with a tiki torch who gave women the right to vote. That's right. I think he left his hood home for this event, but it's... (laughs) I'm not saying he was that. In fact, he (laughs) like... She, his mother was a college educated woman. She, you know, they ended up for Which a is long unheard time of affected by this. She even got like, I think, um, accosted on their farm because yeah. of what happened. That so firm being, being a college educated woman by the time this vote happens in 1920 is unheard of anyway. Yes. So, yes. so one thing that gets left out of a lot of conversations about suffrage and that is obviously really important now is, you know, when you think of the women in the suffrage fight, who do we think of? White women. Right. We think of Susan B. Anthony. We think of Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Um, you know, if you're someone who actually knows about this crap, you think about like Alice Paul and Carrie yeah. Chapman Cat and the Burns, Mary Poppins. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but we don't think about black women and there's a really good reason for that. And it's because um, white women screwed them over. <laughs> yep. Like majorly. We, we didn't care. We were worried about our own vote. So what's interesting is originally, so at that Seneca Falls convention, there were men, there were, was one black man, Frederick Douglass, um, there were no women of color. There were there was a man of color. There were no women of color. No women of color were even invited. Uh, I think that <laughs> that's they weren't even they weren't considered. And I, you know, it's funny because actually some of like the like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton were abolitionists, so they were for an end to slavery. But basically, what happened is the Fifteenth Amendment came along. Uh, so after the Civil War, um, this was an amendment that said that voting you couldn't be discriminated against based on the color of your skin. So what that meant is you could still be discriminated against if you're a lady, but black men could, uh, doing quotes here for those of you who are listening instead of watching our video, they could vote. Could they really? Nah, not for a long time because of no. like poll taxes and poll tests and um all kinds of ridiculous things that we did to keep people who were not white from voting. Um, we, we still, we still do that by the way. Just okay. go ahead. Yeah, but now it's more creative ways. Uh, <laughs> um, like not letting people vote on Sunday. Like not you know having why? enough polling, not having enough polling places in That's certain right. neighborhoods. That's right. Yeah. Well, we can't let people vote on Sunday because Black people, technic- like, oh, it was very, like, traditional for people to go vote together after church. Yep. It would be, like, they would take a bus to the polling station. Yep. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, there was an alliance before that between people of color and white women trying to, to get the vote. But after that 15th Amendment was passed, uh, I mean, and, in fact, Susan B. Anthony was against the 15th Amendment getting passed because I think what they thought at the time was, well, if black men get the right to vote, then we'll never get the right to vote. They're just giving more men the, right. the right. It, it, you know, they'll need to keep us in our place basically. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, 
you know, it's I like it because I think, you know, it's like we've talked about recently, we've got all these people that we put on these pedestals, like the founding fathers and Susan B. Anthony, who people line up to put their I voted stickers on her tombstone. And she did do great and wonderful things. But also, she was a human, not an idol or deity, and did things that are not great. Yeah. Um, well, and, and if we don't even, I mean, I can, if I want to try, if I want to try to remove that, the racist element somehow, like I can understand somewhat. It's like, just keep giving men the rights, men, the rights, men, the rights, all kinds of men. And we still don't get any, um, I, I don't know. You know, we can't go back and ask her when you were yeah. pissed about this. Was it, were you pissed because they were black? Were you pissed because they were men? Were you pissed because of both? You know what I mean? Like, well, and but so it was still, you know, gross. Yeah. Um, so what they decided to do, basically, especially in the South, was to form coalitions with women who were for temperance. So women who were against drinking. Um, and they basically completely turned their back on people, specifically women of color. Um, and in the South is an especially terrible place to do that. Um, and interestingly enough, so Ida B. Wells is someone I learned about a few years ago. She was a, a an activist and for women's suffrage, um, but also an activist for black people more, more so. And so what she saw was here's all these white women who are claiming to do these wonderful things and they're ignoring the hundreds of people being lynched because they want the right to vote so badly. So she took herself over to England um, and for those of you who don't know, the, the fight for the vote in England, um, they, got, they got suffrage before we did. And it was actually, in my view anyway, it was like more heated over there. <laughs> there was a lot, theirs was a lot more violent, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, but they, after they got the right to vote, were helping fund the movement over here in America. Shocking, actually. Yeah. You would have thought so, it would have been the other way around, but anyway. So Ida Wells, uh, Picked her, packed her stuff up and went over there and said, hey, um, just so you know, these people that you're funding have completely turned their backs on women of color and hundreds of people are being lynched. So you might want to rethink where you're sending their do your dollars. And they did. They did. Um, white women started to at least over here um, put on a show of forming coalitions with women of color because they got their funding pulled. So I thought that was actually a pretty cool story. Um, but when I was reading about this, my God, like, you know, as a, as a white feminist, it's easy to sit here and think like, well, I have great like intentions, you know, all along in this podcast, we have tried to, um, be cognizant of who we are and talk about other points of view and experiences of people who are not us, right? Like, when we did the episode about maternal mortality rate, right, we talked about how women of color, especially black women, are much more likely to suffer than white women are, um, and purely because of the color of their skin. Like, you take all the other aspects out. Um, we, we have done that on several episodes, but when you look at something like this, it's not that black women, it's not about us, right? It's not about what we have or haven't done or our intentions. It's about how this racism is fundamental 
to the women's movement. It is yeah. fundamental to the feminist movement. It has existed and been integral to this as long as the women's movement has been around. Yes. So all we can do is try to do better and try to be inclusive and listen and not take this shit personally. Yeah. Because there's no, like, you look at this story, there's no reason for a woman of color to trust some white feminist girl. Right. Well, and it's just, we've, I think we like to make everything so pretty, right? And shiny and, and perfect. And oh, look at great. We got the right to vote. You know, this is the hundredth year we've gotten to vote. Well, not all of us got to vote. We left a bunch of people behind. We did. We did that. And so, you know, we can, sure, we can be proud of that, but like, we gotta, you gotta be aware what you're taking your pride in. How about that? Like everybody needs a little bit more, like to read a little more because it did mean it, it just wasn't the same. It did. It was not equitable. And like everything in life, it is complex, right? Yep. These women did an incredible thing, but a lot of times when incredible things happen, incredible changes made, there's compromise. Yep. And a lot of times that compromise comes at the price of marginalized people. Yep. And that's bullshit. It just is. It is. That's what um, it is. But I don't want to make it sound like, I mean, we had to talk about that. We have to talk about that. We have to keep talking about that. That yeah. is part of our. Well, that's why this is why we talk about this because this can't continue to be a dialogue for the future. Yeah. When we're doing what we're doing, we can't leave others behind, right? Um, right. We're not, then what's, what will have been the point? Right. If we're just serving our own purpose all the time, we're forgetting an entire body of people. Well, and it's not like white women got the vote and then they turned around and helped the people behind them. Like, no, that's not what happened. Not at all. Um, but I do think so, you know, obviously that part of this is relevant today. Um, but there's another part of this that's relevant to today because, you know, you hear a lot of people shit talking all the protests that are happening right now. The fight for women's suffrage wasn't women politely sitting around talking to legislators. It was that, but it wasn't just that. These women were protesting in the street. They protested the White House during wartime. That was the first time it's ever happened. Uh, they called out President Wilson. I mean, they were doing things that made people completely uncomfortable. They got arrested for what, like being in the way of traffic, causing a problem well women didn't and women didn't cause problems back then hell no we did what we were told back then Absolutely. so that's even it was really you know so they got arrested well the good old days <laughs> don't don't you don't you wish you could go back mitchell we could really be in your glory because you know white men are really disenfranchised these days if you could just so go back told. go I've back heard. to your glory god so they got arrested and they were beaten and they were tortured and forced fed because they went on a famine. Like they went on a hunger strike. And uh, they, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie Iron Dot Angels, which of course is a fictionalized version of events, but it's a, it's a very powerful film. I mean, because they were going on a hunger strike, they forced their mouths open with like the metal instruments and poured eggs down their throat. I mean, like it was, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it was intense. And I don't think anybody, well, <laughs> can't say anybody, nobody anymore. Um, most people, the vast majority of people think that it's okay that women can vote, like think it's a good thing. We can't take it for granted that everyone does anymore because we're living in this crazy damn country that we're living in. <laughs> but the crazy vast majority time. of people are behind women being able to vote. This didn't happen in a peaceful, happy, easy way that made you comfortable. This was a long fight and they did things that people of that time found way more disrespectful than kneeling on a football field. Way more disrespectful, guys. Yeah. I mean, picketing outside the White House during wartime was, would have been thought of as disgusting. Our countries sure. at war just shut up and support our country. It was a big move. And another thing that's interesting is they were not a monolith. This is something we've been talking about a lot. Groups are not monoliths. You know, races are not monoliths. Genders are not monoliths. But even within movements, there's different groups that think problems should be handled in different ways. Sherry Chapman, who we talked about before, she wanted to handle it by lobbying. She wanted to handle it like through acts of diplomacy. Alice Paul wanted to be a little more brash. And she is the one who organized, I mean, with a lot of other women, organized protesting outside the White House, organized a parade that caused a huge problem. Um, and they were, had stuff thrown at them and were beaten and the cops didn't really protect them. Um, and she's the one who led the, the strike. Uh, so it, it's possible for there to be these movements. For societal change to happen, you're gonna be uncomfortable. Sure. It, it doesn't happen. Like, you know, it, it's like we say, if, at some point, if, if talking doesn't work, change comes by making people uncomfortable and getting their attention that way. Change yeah. in general makes people uncomfortable. That's why we have sure. the quote unquote conservative party that is just all over this make America great again campaign where it's like, what do you mean again? Like we're, we're growing, we're evolving. You want right. to set us back? You want to take us back to where it was more restrictive and worse times and, and marginalized groups were affected they had far more. Because exactly. they had control of those groups. But the, the change that's coming is now they are highly exposed to men kissing each other. They have to see that now. They see it on their TVs and their and, and when they go to the big city, you know, when they when they go into town to get to the store or something like that, you know, they're having to be they're having to see these things that are so foreign to them that yeah. it it frustrates they're like, I want to go back to where we just we went to church and then when you get married at nineteen and you have six kids. And yeah, you end up on a farm or something. I mean, that, that's that's the way it should be, you know. And so, change in general makes people uncomfortable, especially when it takes some of the control away from them. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you don't know what to, they don't know what to expect. It's a lack, but it's it's like you know we. I th I'm a firm believer in uh, education and leadership being strong. So. Think we got a problem with both of those things in this country right now yeah um 
you know, I guess I just, it's also worth mentioning that there were women who were against suffrage at the time. Those of you who are Candace Owens, Um, (laughs) you know, once again, not a monolith. There were women who were afraid that it would jeopardize their place in the home. Wait a minute. Did you just say Candace Owens? I didn't realize she was that old. Ha ha ha. No, I'm saying. <laughs> of the, uh, I am hilarious. Candace Owens of the time. Candace uh, Owens is a, a black woman who is extremely conservative um, and denies pretty much everything that the Black Lives Matter movement stands for. Uh, but you see a lot of white people reposting her stuff and not as many black people. It's interesting. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so what I think about a lot of white too. people do is they're like, well, no, here's a black person who says this, so it's okay. Yeah, it just it reinforces racist ideas. That's correct. Yes. Um, and she cherry picks data and I don't understand it. But anyway, um, and suffragists were hated at that time. They were viewed as hyper-masculine and disgusting. And of course, they think that nobody would ever want to marry them, kind of basically how people talk about feminists today. Sure. So all of this is super relevant to today. And I think that, you know, we tend to look back on the past and like the fact that women should be able to vote is a foregone conclusion and totally nothing like all the struggles that are going on today. But it's just not true. Yeah. You know, history yep. repeats itself over and over and over again. And it just, it might just present a little differently, but it's the same, same yeah. conversation essentially. But, you know, thank God we had that one white guy. Um, Harry Burton. Which one? <laughs> which one white guy? <laughs> Harry like we have a plethora. <laughs> yeah. Harry Byrne. We actually here in Knoxville have a statue of Feb and Harry, Harry Byrne, which is pretty cool. Harry and Feb, yep. Yeah, they're wearing masks right now, so here's a good time. Remember, wear your mask. Wear your mask. If Harry and Feb are wearing theirs, you too should be wearing yours. Yeah. Sorry, actually, Harry's is hanging from his hand. He's too hot. He's too tall to get it. On <laughs> <laughs> oh, we boy. talked about this in our monument one, though, and so you know, like you said, nobody's perfect, and some of these people do have stuff that they have that we don't love. Um, and you know, we get, we choose to embrace the, the couple things that they did really well for us, but you know, well, we can be grateful that he did what he did up. and really think more about this wonderful action, this brave right. action, that he which did. was right. It doesn't, it's not indicative of his entire life and how he was all the time. It's just this one thing did do that. And then. Not to forget that one action gave some of us, but not all of us. We just, you know, like we, we really do cherry pick what we want to highlight a lot. Yeah. And we try, we tend to um, not think about the more, the uglier parts, but those, those are in there. And well, like, I think that's human nature, but I think sure. it's something that we have to like, let's work on it guys. Yeah. Like just, just remember Yay, we got our right to vote, but the we is a limited, was a limited we, uh, you know, so, and it didn't, it didn't come by just asking politely. It did not. You know, what is it? Women who misbehave, women who are well-behaved seldom make history. That's right. So guess what, people, all of us, if we want change, sometimes it looks ugly. Yeah. (laughs) 
unfortunately, almost always because people don't listen. Nope. And it's, it's kind of, I mean, I guess, you know, even though it sucks and you want it easier, you know, being different always, you know, engages, right? It makes at least some conversation happen and sometimes you learn something. I'd hate to be one type of everybody be the same somebody, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I do think it's worth celebrating that we got the right to vote. And by the way, while we're talking about it, um, for those of us who are females, actually for, for all of us, there were people who suffered, died, were tortured so that you could vote. So guess what? Go out and do it. Vote. Even if you live in a place where you're in the minority, first of all, I like, I get real tired of that argument because if everybody who made that argument went and voted, it would be a very different story. But also your vote counts one for one sometimes at the local level and the state level. A handful just, of votes can make a big difference. One so of our local elections still, I, they were counting provisional ballots because it was 23. Our last mayor won by like eight votes. So yeah. get out and vote. It does matter. Eight votes is nothing for an entire county. This is a big right. county. Yeah. Get your little tuchus to your polling place. Or your big tuchus. Any tuchus <laughs> will do. Do you know what a tuchus is, Mitchell? Yes, I do. I was just shocked that Ren was using Yiddish. Why? I do that all the time, and you comment on it every time. Well, she likes, you know what? It's not your language. Stop using it. <clears throat> Cultural appropriation. It's a good word. I'm just kidding. I've given her permission as the resident Jew on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of tuchuses, right here. Okay. Speaking of. God. Anyway, it's very important to vote. And yep. people legitimately die so that you can vote. So do it. It's the least you can do, guys. Yep. Thank somebody by voting. And it's kind of cool right now, you guys. We're doing it like an old school Scantron. And then you get to feed it into a <laughs> scanner. Kind of cool. I don't think I've ever actually voted with my hand. Yeah. And ask other people if they voted. Encourage other people to vote. Yep. Yep. It's important. And wait. And speaking of voting, Daisha won. Oh my gosh, yes. So our pal Daisha Lundy is going to be sitting on county commission because she won her primary election. She'd already won, or no, she had already won the primary. She won the Prime. general. And like, we could not be more stoked. Yeah. I'm so excited for her. So, yay! Knox County will be a little bit better place because absolutely, because Daisha's sitting on watching our watching for us. So, all right, well, Miss Suffragist, that's all I got. Okay, well, find us on Instagram that other that other F word pod. We're on Insta. Uh, nope, I already said that. Website, <laughs> on Facebook. Uh, we're at thatotherfword.com. Uh, <laughs> Please listen and subscribe and rate, review, make somebody else listen. If you think there's somebody that would be interested in this one, since it's a little history-ish, you could send them this one. Um, and uh, we always want you to remember that you, let's do one word at a time, ready? Feminism. Feminism. 
isn't oh, God. a bad word. God help me. God help me. God can't help you. If you're, if you're there, please. Lord. <laughs> help us. I don't. We, we can't be helped. <laughs>